0: I think that's the other challenge. We have expertise, but I think our enemies understand it's like, if we can draw this out and make it protracted, the expertise does not, does not have our system, how our, our army is formed and how we mobilize, it's not set up do a long-term campaign.
1: Hello and welcome to the 1CA podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for this episode. We're joined today by Colonel John Stafula. Who's with the Peacekeeping and Stability Operations Institute (PKSOI) at the Army War College, sir? Good afternoon, welcome to the podcast.
0: All right, thank you, John. Uh, it's
1: I a wanted to, to be here, so yeah, thank you. We uh, ran into each other at one of the Civil Affairs Associations meetings and talked about this podcast, mm-hmm. and then uh, you, you follow up with some interest in wanting to sit down with us today. Um, I want to note for everyone that we are in uh, rural Maryland, Mount Airy beautiful rolling hills with a lot of farmland. So we're sitting outside and uh, if people hear any birds, that's why, where we are. Sir, I wanted to talk to you about what you're doing at PKSOI. Uh, you're currently with the Defense Information Systems Agency, or DISA, and now and working for the Army at PKSOI, so the Peacekeeping and Stability Operations Institute. Could you describe for everyone what your role is at PKSOI and how does it relate to civil
0: affairs? Okay, so uh, I'm in a Drilling Individual Mobilization Army team. So it's called DEMA. So if you hear me say the word DEMA, that's pretty much it. So the difference between DEMA and a true programming unit is true programming. You have a unit that's reserved. You go, you drill. So I'm a DEMA guy, so I go drill with PQSOI. Now, they don't drill on weekends, so I have to go up during the middle of the week, either one or two days. A matter of fact, I'll be going up later this week. Uh, I'll be doing um, an exercise planning conference, and I'll be there for two or three days supporting uh PQSI in that effort. And you just
1: take time off from your yeah, I got to take
0: normal military leave or my annual leave, and it's some pretty long tooth in the federal government, a lot of hours. I have to manage that really good over the years to try to line those days up. But it's only for one more year, twelve more months, right. <laughs> Then I'll have to find some other gig. So is PKSOI a mix of?
1: Is it mainly CA type folks?
0: Okay, that's a it's a great question. So. If you kind of back up in history and, and kind of take a look at PKSI, its original roots were originally it was the Peacekeeping Institute. Uh, so it, then eventually the Army added on uh, hey, you're also going to be expertise in stability operations. So then that was like around, let me see my notes right here. 1993 it became the PKSI, and then 2013 it was designated the Peacekeeping, Peacekeeping Stability Operations Institute. So. Okay. It's kind of broken into, I'd say, th- three divisions. There's a proponency division that looks at, you know, doctrine and getting after all the little eaches. So not everybody's a CA person up there. You have some uh, DE civilians that are up there that understand how to do doctrine. You also have uh, a plethora of other folks or other branches, mostly all officers, who understand doctrine writing and how those things can go. and doing, cause, uh, They're a subset of the Army War College, so the Army War College has developed strategic leaders. So the They teach a lot of stability operations stuff into the schoolhouse over there, and they also um, keep contact with the community of practice of who, whether it is peacekeeping or stability operations. Okay. So the next division would be the peacekeeping uh, division, and they do a lot of interaction with um, the United Nations and how the United Nations do those type of operations for peacekeeping uh, and kind of develop out a curriculum. And then when it brings it back on in, they'll develop out the curriculum. So, or, primary order of instruction if a army unit had to go do a peacekeeping mission. They would say, okay, here's how you would do it. So there's actually institutional knowledge there. Uh, there's the Stability Operations Division, which gets into each line of effort. Uh, and this is where you really start seeing different branches of uh, like rule of law. You'll have people who have PhDs uh, who are in there who understand rule of law. You'll have some JAG officers. You might have um, a PSYOPs officer. Uh, you might have, like, for uh, economics. Somebody who actually has an economics degree, right. uh, an officer who's there, uh, background with that. Would you say that it
1: PKSLI currently has the go-to experts for the Army in peacekeeping and stability operations? Have they I'd built up that subject matter? They expertise? have some. Ex-
0: they have some subject matter experts. I wouldn't say they are there, but if they don't know it, yeah, they're they're kind of the crossroads for a lot of things because okay. they have interaction with a plethora of different folks inside and outside. Um,
1: so they can find the They're, right people.
0: They can find the right people. And that's really, as any institution, it has a battle rhythm for the year. So there's like sets and pauses, like they did the uh, recently, did last month, the Peacekeeping Stability Operations Training, training and Education, education and Workshop. workshop. Yeah. So PISO 2. PISO 2. So if you hear me say PISO 2, it's a really long word, but really, it's really like a small mini conference, which they have to put a conference back in. I'll put that up front. So, like everything else in the Department of Defense to get approval they get a lot of different practitioners in the community, either in peacekeeping or civility operations, who come to this. Uh, they have people from the Special Army Warfare Center who come on up at the Civil Affairs Commandant. Uh, Colonel Bennett came on up to the last one. And so in, in there, they have these workshops uh, or which they kind of settle down, and they talk about the most relevant things uh, that are affecting either peacekeeping or civility operations. Okay.
1: And, and so we reconnected at the... Uh PISO-2, the recent one that was last month, uh, so April 2018. Um, the theme was struggle for legitimate governance. Could you talk about the PISO-2 uh, being a conference that happens every year, and the workshop that was held in April, so that the focus on legitimate governance. What do you think that means, and, and where do you think PISO-2 is headed with that discussion?
0: Well, they break out in a lot of subsets in there. Um, yeah, you know, we were talking about the, the small work, the small group I was working with was dealing with civil affairs right there. And legitimacy of governments is what they come back in because you can look at you know, UN operations and how they try to reestablish and try to get governments legitimate. You know, they, they actually keep folks from fighting each other. You know, and, you just, and then yeah, protection of civilians. There was a workshop that was dealing with you know, protection of civilians uh, and what aspects. Um, PKSOI recently established a handbook they published and they put on out there, and that was a big effort uh, by a lot of folks in there. Uh, to get after that. So you can't say it's like there's just one switch you can hit that's gonna like, hey, this will solve all legitimacy. It's a series of switches that have to happen either in unison or over time. And that's really where um, PQSI really tries to get it because things are just so complex uh, at effort, uh, on multiple different operations. of How do you understand that complexity? I'd yeah. say, it's complex
1: back. in the U.S. You take right. a, a city or a state like yeah. Maryland or city of Baltimore or someplace picking up the trash on time, it's making sure the water is running, you know, do you have safety and security from police and yeah. fire, and all the different social services that you have uh, put that in the context of another country, and it's complex, right? right. What would you say were the outcomes of that PISO-2 conference?
0: Well, the biggest thing is you is really, because you have all these different practitioners coming here, one of the things that PQSR, they have, they have a representative from the Department of State, and they also have a representative from the uh, United States Agency for International Development USAID is there so they have two high ranking officials that are part of the staff at PQSOI um, they understand the biggest thing is um, how do you go back to your own institutions if you look at Department of Defense USAID and Department of State is how do you get in their decision-making process now one of the big products that just recently came on out uh, is the stabilization assistance review and it really got into okay we understand that every institution, Department of State, USAID, or Department of Defense has a different way they go after doing stabilization operations. Uh, and sometimes, what we're really starting to see right now is, that in those cases, it might be USCIDs in the lead and Department of Defense is in a supporting role. Right. So right now, it's like, well, how is that done? Uh, there's some examples right now within like Turkey and Syria and, and in Iraq. We've seen some of those things. Uh, hmm is serving as one model, but really it's, it's really how do we operationalize that right now? That's really what PCOS is now like, okay, we've had this great epiphany where, you know, you know sec- at the secretariat level or even national security council level, it's like, okay, how do we operationalize this? And like everything, it runs in a cyclical process. We get back everybody's uh, battle rhythm for the year. Okay. Is everybody marching on a, a certain path to where we can make this work? Uh, they right. really make it institutionalized. It's written in doctrine. We're learning lessons learned. That's the other big thing that PQS does is lock, um, writing doctrine is they capture lessons learned, which is part of the uh, Psalms process. Just It's almost like uh, Center for Army's Lessons Learned, except PQS has their own version of that. Okay. Uh, which you can go in there and pull some stuff. I know 412 recently asked for some stuff from Psalms. They are amazed at the amount of stuff that was in there. So.
1: I see the, uh, the federal government, like any huge organization, evolves. Federal government very slowly, especially agencies like yeah. in the three Ds: defense, diplomacy, mm-hmm. and development. Um, so, with the stabilization assistance review, the SAR document that came out, would you say that for stability ops, we've evolved? We're, we're more in step with each other, and as agencies, departments,
0: I think we're starting to get a little bit better at it. Um one of the big things that came on out recently is uh, there's a book I'll, I'll promote uh, Nadia Sandin uh, oh uh, Nadia Shablau yeah Nadia Shablau okay. okay so she I've read actually read the uh, The Art of, of Governance and War and kind of into that but if you kind of read her other works and that what she really gets into is, is there's uh a realm of competitiveness right now. You're starting to see this coming out of the national security strategy. And it kind of filters down to the Department of the Defense and kind of hits the Army. And so... Uh,
1: competitiveness within, within the U.S. government? government. Well, in- they're
0: not just competitiveness, I'm talking in the whole world. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so if you look at the Army's uh, Center for Internet Inter- Capability, uh, there was this guy there named McMasters, We kind of know where he went after that. And so, we've always, the Department of Defense has always held this model of to war you know we, we talk about it quite a bit it's like phase zero phase one phase two phase two we're going to dominate smoke it okay we're going go to phase four now we're going to stability operations five and so what this you know kind of sitting there you know kind of looking at that and get some smart folks it's like okay that's one model in, in all honesty if you kind of look at how the russians are doing things is they're going this more hybrid gray i've heard different things but Dmitry Gerasenov, he kind of looks at it, it's like, why are we applying military op- uh, capability against we can use other instruments of national power, which you can use you can economic. And so his idea is like, before I get the military portion, I'm going to apply like three or four of these elements of national power. I'm going to raise it up. I mean, just a little short for you guys getting into your little. I'm going to do your five phase or six phase campaign, and we're going to kind of kind of move back in it. So really, what Arctic is looking at is looking at you in the world now is you in a armed hostile conflict. We can do phase one through five pretty better than most countries in the world. We got that down. We got a big T in that one. Uh, but when we get into competitiveness, we're kind of like, well, we have this one trick we do, but we're kind of short of that. So how are we going to do that? And then you either at the last, the lower end, which is you're in cooperation. And that's where you know, we're working with other allies. And now, to put even more of a spin, you might have countries where armies are very easy going back and forth we can't have kind of the NATO partners that we have is armies are really good they know each other they train together quite often however they may be competitive economically or other realms that kind of puts a different spin on. so it even gets even more complex you start looking at all the other elements of national power um, so it's how do you work and maneuver in that so that's like the really the big I'd say the big you know, math problem right now folks are going to get after yeah And as we start to do that, I think the Department of Defense is going to start really realizing it's like, hey, we no longer have to be the lead folks, but we probably should understand where the other government agencies and departments are heading. So I kind of envision now uh, as we go forward is, you know, civil affairs, you'll probably start seeing where you'll have to start having folks uh, start working with these other government agencies, Department of State, USAID, Department of Agriculture. Maybe that's where our expertise needs to lie. Where we have to actually understand how there's other departments and agencies where and that's really where, where our expertise should draw from and go back and forth. Because if you look at the SAR, the stabilization assistance review, the Department of State starts saying, Hey, we're not gonna do like combat, but we have disaster assistance recovery teams, how do we get them married up with your civil affairs teams? And you know, maybe there's a training opportunity there where an exercise once a year where a civil affairs team, it can be that duty reserve component, it gets these guys, and they maybe do an exercise someplace. Yeah, or there's an exercise, uh, like MCTP mission command training program out of Fort Leavenworth. I think it's scripts have to be written better because it's solely built towards military is now doing combat operations. We're good at that, but maybe they need to have one where it's just a little bit different. And which is more stabilization oriented. And maybe now we have Department of State folks coming. In. They're really the lead in now militaries not supporting. And how does that look like? What does the right look like? I don't know if we know what the right looks like, but I think we're on the way to trying to figure out those questions to see what right will look like.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. You need to have the active duty CA involved. Yeah. because they're doing those constantly, and they have a lot of expertise operationally. Mm-hmm. And then um, on the reserve side, the strength uh, you mentioned earlier is the day jobs that we may have with a civilian background. Right. So agriculture, you mentioned, there are reservists who work in USDA yeah. or work in state ags for something. You could easily pull them in yeah. if there's a match.
0: The biggest thing I would try to see, we I think we really need to get a program we actually – have folks who work there, we can pull that, but we have other folks who can go in there. Because one of the things I saw early on in, in the invasion is we had a colonel who was the subject matter expert on oil production. He had worked everything from drilling a well as a nobody all the way up to various different levels of senior management and oil companies, and so we got him there. He was there for one tour and at the end of that 10 months he rotated out and it was like there goes the big guy with the big brain here's how oil runs and it was like who else do we have on the bench and you couldn't really find somebody who had that level to get in there so that's I think that's the other challenge we have expertise but I think our enemies understand it's like if we can draw this out and make it protracted the expertise does not just not have our system how our, our army is formed and how we mobilize it's not set up to do a long term campaign so, yeah We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: Get published and win some money. The Civil Affairs Association and its partners invite you to send an originally written issue paper with recommendations related to some or all of .mil PFP. You should reference the new FM 3-57 in the Civil Affairs Operations 2025 and Beyond white paper. Given the white paper and the stabilization assistance framework, how can the CA Regiment optimize its force? How can the Army and Marine Corps organize, train, educate, and resource CA forces to synchronize and leverage the efforts of multiple partners and sustain engagements to mitigate conflict, shape security environments, and prevail across the range of military operations? The top five papers will be published in the 2018-19 Civil Affairs issue papers. Authors will present them at the CA Centennial and Symposium at Fort Bragg, North Carolina on 2-4 November. The top paper will receive $1,000 cash, second gets $500, and third, $250. Papers prepared jointly by civilian and military professionals are most welcome. The deadline is 7th September, so please send all papers and inquiries to papers at civilfaresassoc.org. Welcome back to the 1CA Podcast. Sir, I wanted to ask you about the upcoming actions for PQSOI. What else is on the list of priorities and, and things that you're actioning right now for them?
0: Well, PQSOI, like we were talking about earlier, it has a number of different things. I think right now the big one is, uh, i recently seen, was multi-domain battle, which is now called multi-domain operations. And so they're working on a monograph right there, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, where does the built operations uh, settle out in that part right there? So that's one of the projects they're working on right now. Um, with the Civil Affairs Association, which really serves as a good ability to do the monographs and do papers once a year, uh, so the regiment, the Civil Affairs Regiment, can actually go out there and take a look at uh, what does the field see? Now, folks at Swix say, you know, really the core, I think, is probably very, very accurate is that you know civil affairs is really good at really two good things that are happening. Civil engagement and civil reconnaissance. I think we're really, really good at this portion right there. We got that down uh, pretty well. Uh, everything else, when we start getting above that, gets much, much harder because now we're starting getting back to what we were talking about before was, is now you have to start working with other agencies and start pulling them on in. Yeah. And, and there are turf battles. Yeah, there are turf battles. It's and going some, back for decades. Going back for decades. And, you know, it's like if you pull someone in from USAID or something like that for a training thing, they actually want to feel they're going to get something out of it. They don't want to feel like they're being a training aid just to kind of show up and kind of do something because it's a waste of their time, uh, particularly if they're paying for it. Uh, I think that really has to be settled down and how we really start to craft that better. Because uh, if you look at Really, when you get above, like, division level, I noticed when, that's when I was in Afghanistan in 2012, is uh, those headquarters are now starting becoming little joint interagency things. Because if you you have DEA, you have USAID, you have Department of State, you have USAID folks, you have all these folks falling into this headquarters, and they're all trying to get after things and they understand it's a very complex thing where you just can't have solely the big uh, military portion being used. So there's a good bit of that for security. Uh, per se, but it, it gets wrapped together. It's kind of like a rope. They all get wound together, and maybe there's one portion of that rope is the core that's got to be the strongest, but everything else has got to wrap around because if you don't wrap everything around it, it's just not going to hold up right. long. it's
1: so. a good analogy. Yeah, and you want those to be wound tightly, enough know, so it's Yeah, stronger. tight, because if it's not yeah. tight,
0: if it's loose, you know, yeah. if it's
1: loose, it's not good. <laughs> so, for civil affairs personnel listening to this, or, or uh, even other partners out there in our agency... How can they access PKSOI resources? Is there a website they should go to? or Yeah, they do have
0: a website. Um, you can use any search engine, Peacekeeping, Stability Operations Institute, uh, or you can go to the thearmywarcollege.edu. Uh, uh, it's not just a .mil address. Uh view themselves as an educational institute, which it is. And they can go there. If you get in there, uh, the biggest thing is is there's, there's a plethora of different stuff that published each one of the students up at the War College part of their Year long that they're there has to do a strategic research paper, the MPS SRPs. You can, you can access those if you have a subject you're really going to get into. And then Pico SOI uh, publishes the book from the Civil Affairs Association that's out there. You can download it and you can read through that. It, it's a lot of stuff. Um, right. One of the things they recently put up there is the uh, transition uh, public security uh, outline. So for a brigade combat team that has to do some type of stuff, there's actually an outline with all the PowerPoint slides and everything right there is available. Uh, you can download that um but yeah you know, there's just a, a, a world of stuff up there uh and, and you have solemn's too right uh for all the lessons learned so you can, you, you can post stuff the biggest thing i've learned since i went up there uh, a little more than a year ago i got to work on the uh, joint publication uh, 3-57 so it, everything kind of rolled down well there's also native stuff too which i didn't know about they had their own version too and i got to actually review and edit so um uh, you have the critical response matrix. You always see us come back like, "Hey, you got like two weeks to try to go through you know, the new version of this and reply back to your comments." And I actually, got to sit in uh, down and actually see the sausage being made on this. It's they actually take all these things and line them up, and they'll go, "Okay, line one through five. Was there anything?
1: Wow, that must be a pain really stand
0: out." And folks from the Department of the Army, Department of the Navy, because it's all joint pub, and you have a person from the uh, Department of State and USAID there, and they'll go, they've all read all these things, and they'll go, no, okay, let's go through line 100 to 150, anything. And then they go through all those lines. Wow. And it's pretty much a pretty much a long day process, but once it gets done, and if there are issues that get worked out there, uh, some are pretty passionate about some of the positions they're on, Uh, Why it's got to be lined up a certain way and they kind of get it done and uh, At the end of it, it gets processed. So I tell most folks if you want to have anything um, Profound to say it's capture lessons learned after all your operations and get them in stored either Center for Army's lessons learned or solemn's or those type of things and Then when these doctrines come down refer back to those lessons learned because then it serves as a reference point Why it doesn't a lot of folks these compassion because you know they just didn't like you know the, the verbiage of it hey it should say small dog it should say puppy and you kind of get into small things but if you have a real logical explanation of why this should be this way and you refer it back to the historical examples of those type of things it has a much better chance of getting it changed okay just because you're saying something's messed up i tell her folks you got to show some watching behind it because at that level there's a lot of folks with big degrees with a lot of Initials after their name, <laughs> right. on various different things, and they want to see a logic pattern, and they're really big time into critical thinking.
1: You have to and, put it on paper, and somebody at some point may check it out. Oh, yes, eventually. If, yeah.
0: if, like we were talking earlier, USR data. It's like if you put something in the USR and you don't think it's going to go far. Eventually, it'll hit some places. I've seen general officers call up and talk about it, you know, it's getting ready to go to war and they want to know why something's not right because wow. they'll read that data. Those data points are there. If someone just wants to shift through all that stuff and get down to the nitty gritty and, and read it.
1: Yeah, I, I've seen that <laughs> in my experience as a, a former platoon leader and a team leader now. Questions about, hey, why is Joe or Jane not going to the medical appointment? You know, right? I, I saw in the last USR that, that they were scheduled for a dental exam. Did that happen? Why is this data point not updated? Right. So they, they do look at it. across the Fool, what are you reading today? What are what are some things that are on your mind? Are, where are you getting some news and uh, or other books or resources that you may refer uh, or advise the CA personnel check out?
0: Right now, I'm currently reading a book uh, called Grant Takes Command uh, by Bruce Caton. Caton, I'm mispronouncing that, but um, to me. Uh, one of the things I always looked at was, like, okay, here is a guy who's using total destruction of war. He's going after everything. What made Grant so great other than other Union generals at the time? And one of the things that's really starting to stand out, and I've gotten through about the first 60, 75 pages of it, uh, is Grant really understood logistics, really managing resources. I think he understood time and space better than other folks, even though the Anaconda Plan was there. Uh, but I think he understood if he can maximize his resources and uh, get the Confederacy Trying to maximize it, he could just wind them down. Uh, sheer attrition, uh, which I think is kind of a a staple of American method of doing warfare. We we love war by attrition. We kind of like yeah. if we can just blow you up and blow up more of you, we can get after that. It's probably a good way of looking at things. Where other cultures uh, look at warfare totally different and how they do it. It may not be a war of attrition. Going back to Army War College, you learn quite a bit of how war is done. You, you go way back and you, know, you know, a lot of the Greeks, uh, the Ghanites, uh, Sun Tzu. I mean, you get a, a plethora of stuff and stuff. And I think it's great for the war colleges. And, uh, they get a host of different folks from other countries. Other generals who come and talk about how their armies view the world. And you have the International uh, Fellows Program. They have students who come from other countries there. They were there for the year and who come from all there um, and really get their viewpoint on how they view warfare and how it's valuable. Going. So, I think it's good that you, you form this connections. You get to uh, see this folks. PQSI has uh, uh, two folks who work there, one from Germany, one from Japan, who are part of the staff right there. And it's pretty interesting to see how they view the world and how they get after stuff. Um, so you know, if, you, if you read, uh, you're surprised when you talk with some of these folks. They've also read these books I and mean, <laughs> right. you start to see stuff and they recommend books back. So. Colonel uh,
1: John Stifula, thank you very much for being here on the 1CA podcast.
0: Well, I thank you, John, and it's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory.